Hey guys, Brian here from Michigan Creative and the Business Machine. Real quick, Jason Perot's episode is awesome and it's especially good for those of you that hate networking events. <laughs> so either you are an extrovert and you just are tired of networking events or you're an introvert and you just can't stand going. He gives us some really good practical tips on how to really not be that cheesy business card. Here's my business card. What can I do? What can I do? Um, you know, what kind of business can we get? It's, it's a, a different way to look at it and I like it. So listen to this one. It's a good one. This is the business machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machines firing up. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of The Business Machine. And today, once again, we've got a great guest. And Jason Troy is a nationally recognized business and executive coach and sales trainer, leadership and culture expert, best-selling, Amazon best-selling author of Social Wealth, and owner and CEO of Be Extraordinary is here today to talk to us about how we can create social wealth and be extraordinary ourselves. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Hey, wonderful to be on the show and speak to your fantastic tribe. So Jason, tell us a little bit about what you do. So real quick, and I hate the word elevator speech, but I'm going to say it just because I hate it. I'm going to say that because I, but I, I know we all need it. So somebody comes up to you and you're at a restaurant, you're out walking around and somebody says, Hey, what do you do? What would you tell them? Right. So what I do is I'm a business and executive coach and I work with a variety of clients from C-level people um, in a corporate culture to entrepreneurs who are really taking the next step in their business. And the first part of what I do is help people get unstuck, really see their own blind spots, the patterns that are no longer serving them internally. And then we work on external things in their life, such as strategy, culture, how to make more money, how to network, how to build influencers, how to work on sales, business development, whatever it might be. But the biggest problem starts with people internally, right? Because they cannot see your own, their own blind spots right. and the patterns that haven't served them. And what I found after working with you know, hundreds of people and doing the research is that things that have started under the age of 10 years old are really the things holding you back. Because the kid, we look at our parents or other adults, we model that behavior um, and then we accept it as our own, right? So at that point, you know, it's not that your parents' fault or adults around you. It's just that you've taken on these things and that's how it's really it's starting to get in your own way, right? Things, habits that may have said your parents said, don't talk to strangers, right. um, don't talk up, sit in the corner, right? All these little things that you don't think matter actually contribute to people's, you know, ability to, to function in the external world. So Jason, tell us why we need a coach. And, and, you know, there's all kinds of business coaches out there. And, and if you network, like we network at our company, we run into a business coach at every networking event. And I think there's this, you know, how, how can we really tell that this is the coach that we want, or even if we need a coach. And I think there's this idea that, Hey, you know, we're going to get a coach, but how do they really know how to run my business? Because they're not in my business. They're in the coaching business. So how would they know to run a manufacturing plant? How would they know how to run a computer repair shop? But I guess, first of all, Jason, part one is why do we need a coach? Or why is thinking about a coach a good idea as a small business owner? Well, you can't see your own blind spots, right? I mean, the things that are really holding you back, you can't see them. That's why you're in the place that you're at, right? And you can think of it this way. Your best thinking has got you where, to where you are today. Right. I've heard so that before. The, pro the problem, okay, so you're not going to magically get better by yourself because you can't see the things that are happening around you. You need an independent third party, right? That's why if you look at it, those big consulting firms came along, yep. right? That that are out there helping companies because companies themselves have their own blind spots and they can't see. So you need independent third party to come in in order to check that out. You know, and I, I say that you, you know, when it comes to coaches like anything else, you've got to do a lot of due diligence. You've got to look things up, and then you've also got to realize that maybe you might not get someone who's going to work, and then you're going to have to, you know, 
pivot and find someone else. But I think you've got to sit down and figure out why you need a coach, what's really not going right in your life. And then I think you just got to interview them. And I think that's, you know, really helpful. But I also think that you've got to really take a look at and understand that it's not that you don't have like love in your life. It's not that you're not networking with the right people in business alone. It's you yourself that has the challenges internally. Something is going on inside of you and change always starts from the inside out. And so I think a lot of, you know, life coaches don't do this, but I would say if you go to a business coach, a lot of business coaches will operate in the external world. Um, and right. they'll focus on issues like leadership and how to build better culture yeah. and all the rest of the things that happen because it's much more risky to start from the inside out because if you're doing that, you really have to know what you're doing. You have to be sort of a mini psychologist. You have to have learned from someone else and invested in yourself. And I've spent a lot of money on coaches. One of my coaches mentors is Tony Robbins and he's in some elite mastermind group where he's spending $125,000 a year. And I'm going to a bunch of other coaches, I mean, in masterminds and spending money every year, probably this year in coaching alone, I'll probably spend like, you know, 40, 30, 40 grand. Just on yourself. Just on myself, yeah. right? Because I can, you know, and, and I go not only coaching, but I'll go to, I'm going to Harvard Business School for two days in the summer to learn leadership and communications for three days um, and just things like that, right? And because you have to invest in yourself. And so I think the other part of it is, is that if, if you don't find your coaches investing in them themselves, exactly. then how are they going to invest in you? So that's another question I'd ask people. So what are you doing to further your education, right? Because I have clients that are CEOs. I mean, they want to know what's on the cutting edge of what's going on. So if I'm not out there actually learning new things, how can I bring it to them? So let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what do you think it is that why, I mean, for you, you want to do this and you want to do this because you want to be able to give back to the CEOs and help them be extraordinary, like it says. But so what are those pieces that you're always trying to capture to be able to bring in? What are some things you learned this year that was something that maybe you weren't doing last year that you were able to bring to some of your CEOs and clients? Yeah, well, one of the things that I found out is people's personal lives really impact the business itself. That's right? in, so yeah, that's interesting to me because I don't think a lot of CEOs think about that. No, and, and, and on, I'll be honest with you, my view of this when I was working in the corporate world was I tried to separate my business and sure. personal life. Yeah, the whole thing is like leave it at the door. And now as I see this, I realize that's actually the worst possible uh, scenario. Because what happens is, is that let's just say you're going through a divorce or things are rocky at home in your marriage with a partner or problems with the kids or maybe you have a health issue or maybe just your social life isn't going well and the only thing you have going on well is work. Well, when you walk into those four walls, I mean, that is taking on your persona. That's going to take on your attitude. That's going to you know, introduce itself in collaboration and conflict resolution. Right. So as a manager, you really have to understand your people and what's going on. And then you have to invest and try to help them, right? And I think that's a lot of companies don't do that is that they may need coaching, right? They may need help. And a lot of times we just don't do that because businesses think, oh, I don't want to invest in people or, geez, if I just spent a couple thousand dollars, that might impact the company. But I'm like, you're, but you're paying someone, an employee, you know, 40, 50, $200,000 or more. Sure. I mean, you're going to have to invest in people because they won't take the initiative on themselves no. to do it because they don't know how and they don't know where to go or where to start. So your b biggest impact, I think, on the corporate bottom line, especially as you go up the corporate ladder, is your frontline leaders. You need to know what's going on outside of work with them. And if they're not happy, they are going to be like cancer in your organization right. because they've done studies on negativity, on people being rude. It actually spreads throughout the organization and the culture. You can't, and you can't stop it then. It's almost impossible at that point. Um, you have to then do some major restructuring of how you look at culture and what you're doing. And so, how many bridges have you burned on that way, right? Yeah. I think the other thing too is something that's not really new, but I think people aren't thinking about it is the networking. And I think the networking, what I see is that across the U.S. especially, it's definitely starting to change more. Um, and how you're seeing it change more is that people are going and spending money on mastermind groups yep. um, at a level that you've never seen before, and meaning that people are spending 5, 10, 15, 20, 
upwards to $100,000 a year to belong to people, right? My clients would go to the TED conference, which is, you know, the number two conference in the world. And I was going through the list of people there, and there were people who had been going to the TED conference for 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Sure. I, I was looking through the attendees, and very few of them, it was their first one. And now we're talking about people like Bill Gates, I mean, Tim Cook, CEO of Apple. I mean, we're talking like major people going to this, and they're going Monday through Friday. They're taking a week in a year of these people, obviously, important things going on. They do not have the time to spend five days going to a conference. Why do they? Because the networking and the people are so valuable that they're willing to take that time out. And I think you're seeing more and more people do that because you realize that more and more now you have to set that time aside because people and your relationships will decide your success because your relationships with them will open doors or they will not. Yeah, 100%. And so, I mean, I think you're seeing that as another pretty significant trend. So people out there are not networking. Um, and, and you can do this in other ways, right? I mean, you can go to where do wealthy influ- and influencers go? They go to charity events. They go to nonprofits, meaning museum, symphony, opera. That's where people go in your local community, and that's where you need to be going. Not only because I think there's opportunities for you to open the door um, in foreign culture, it's all these other people as well, right? And it's and you going to those places are great too because it's in the spirit of giving. Sure. No, and I think you're right. I think you know we do a lot of networking and we're in mastermind groups too and it seems like the networking is getting old quick and and it's your typical networking event where people are passing yeah. out business cards and there's usually some sort of bar and there's not really a speaker and it's just a social event and we're always trying to figure out what do we you know unless you go there with a plan to do x amount of conversations or set up x amount of meetings it's almost fake in a way and it is. i don't even know what we're getting it seems like everybody's you know there's a lot of financial guys there nothing wrong with them and there's a lot insurance people there nothing wrong with those guys either but it just doesn't seem as practical and i don't know if it's used to be or maybe we're just starting to wake up and and this is the probably fourth or fifth time in the last two weeks that we've talked about relationships with people and how important those relationships have been for us to build a business and everybody else that we've talked to they're like yeah we we've built our business primarily around the relationships that we have but i don't think you can build those type of relationships at your networking parties you just can't because the right people aren't going to be there. That's because right. People are really busy, right? Because most of, I mean, most of my clients do a very poor job of networking. I mean, and before I talk to them and before they go out, they just aren't doing it. I mean, and these are high level corporate CEOs. These are entrepreneurs. I mean, these are varying people um, from a variety of backgrounds across the United States and beyond that. And they're all not doing this very much. And I, it's, I think it's because you get to a point and we've seen a lot of people around here do the same thing. You get to a point where you think, okay, well, I'm busy enough right now. I don't need to network down there anymore. But those were ideas and in innovation and creativity come from, right? And I think right. you've got to think to yourself, you know, the problem with big corporations and why startups come in and, and like outflank them is because they spend too much time exploiting your current resources and not enough investing in exploration of new resources, right? And that resources can be creativity, innovation. It's going to a conference. It's going to an event. You know, I just joined this thing here in Dallas called World Affairs Council, um, and I saw you know when the uh, you know when a high level ambassador um, from Canada came here to the U.S. I was talking about stuff and I learned new things there and met people and I'm just trying to expand my ideas in my head because all of that stuff matters because when you put your mind in the mindset of creativity and innovation, it doesn't matter what it is. You could be playing music. You could be going to a dance class. You start to see things from a new perspective and open your mind to new possibilities and that stuff is absolutely critical if you want to stay in a place where you're constantly growing and moving forward. And if you have a business, it's absolutely essential because otherwise at some point what will happen is your business will flatline or it will start to decrease in revenue. I mean, And so it's all linked together and you may not – be thinking about it like this, but I see this in every client of mine that's, you know, things aren't going well, or if they have franchises that are starting to flatline, you can see the same thing, right? It's just like a big corporation spend way too much money on what they're currently doing because it's been working and they've been making a lot of money off it and, and less about investing in innovation. 
So Jason, tell us your story. Like why do, cause you were in the corporate world before as well. So what gave you the idea to say, Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to go out and now I'm going to, you know, educate myself and I'm going to go to all these conferences and get with the right networks and relationships. And I want to help business owners, you know, grow. I want, I want business owners to learn about social wealth. And so tell us that story. Why did you start? Well, part of it initially was I was just an extrovert and I wanted to meet people and I love to learn. So part of learning was a part of my DNA for the longest time and just learning new ideas and being around people. And frankly, what it really happened was I had a couple of friends come to me and ask me uh, to help their friends. They were moving from one big city to another and they were like 30-year-old guys who were introverts and engineers, basically type people. And they were really worried because they had lived in one big city all their life and they had to now pick up and move to another one, start a job, a career, a social life, I mean, all from scratch. And that can be, you know, pretty overwhelming for people that are pretty introverted overall, right? They weren't sort of introverted and extroverted, which you'll see people kind of like, you know, some people call them ambiverts, but they were way more on the introverted side. So basically, I helped them do this over three months. And I just, you know, sent them ideas, what to do, where to go. And it was so successful in 90 days that they were really excited about their lives much more than they were than the city that they had moved from. And so I thought to myself, maybe I have something because I did it for two people. And I was like, well, let me approach someone who has an existing business that I know or don't know well and see what they might say about, you know, putting together something like this and actually selling it. And I approached someone who had a lifestyle coaching business and, you know, approached them with the ideas and we did a couple small things and it worked out pretty well. And then I basically just wrote a book, right, called Jumpstart Your Social Life. And it was how to build a social life in 30 days or less. And, mm-hmm. and there was nowhere out there that did it. It was a very niche issue, right? And I was like, okay, I sent this person, put their name on it, made a few edits and changes and stuff in there. And then we put this book out. And then leverage it a little bit more for a while. And that's really how the beginning of it all started. And it was in the spirit of giving and helping other people. And from there, I just got this idea of doing it. And I think a lot of the challenge is, is that I didn't have any entrepreneurial um, influences in my life, really. My parents weren't. I didn't have anyone around me. So I typically find that people who start later um, don't have those influences. So if you're not, if you don't have one right now, you can do it. Um, you just do it on the side as a side hustle. I had my full time right. job. Right? Yeah, yeah, side hustle. Yeah, you got to do a side hustle. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about social. Then tell me a little about what that means and and social wealth. Like to me, it doesn't really make sense that if I want to get better as a producer, or I want to get better as a CEO in my company. The first thing I I don't think about is being more social because I don't think I have time to do that. Right. But so really- why why is that connected? How is that connected? Because I because what I think and what I found, and I've been a CEO now of a small business for five years, and I started this as an entrepreneur myself in my mid thirties, and just decided to do make a run at it, and so far so good. And and I found that being a CEO um, is a very lonely place. I think. And a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners, you know, they nod their head. It's like, it's very lonely. And we're on this little lonely Island. Like I like to call it. And, you know, we can't really share our worries necessarily with our staff. Can't always share them with our spouse sometimes either. So I don't have time to be social. And my wife and I joke all the time. We're like, Hey, you know, friends are for people that don't have real jobs. And, and so I guess I want to know, and I think a lot of CEOs, like, how do we, how do we use that to our advantage and what we're doing both in life and at work? Well, it's, you made the point of why I, I'm, a lot of times I work with the CEOs I do is because they don't have anyone or C-level people or yeah. high level execs because they don't have anyone to talk to. Right. So right. partly after we work through the beginning thing, I'm sort of like their Italian mob sort of concierge. Right? <laughs> right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm the person they go to, like their campaign manager. Like if you've seen in House of Cards, like I'm the person who's behind the scenes helping them because they don't have people to talk to. And right. I think it's, and again, I think that's why masterminds have really sprouted up is because there's more entrepreneurs and business owners. And it's very difficult to talk to someone in an organization that's currently working with court because they don't get it. Right. Um, but I think as a corporate owner, you have to invest in other people because that's exactly why you're, you can't be lonely and by yourself because everyone else has done what you're trying to do already somewhere along the line and they've done it better and they're ahead of you and you need to learn and leverage that because you can speed up the growth and learning significantly. Yeah, and that's a good point. The, 
amount of pain you'll have to go through in order to figure this thing all out. Right? I mean, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm redoing my website and my brand. And one of the things that I was doing was I looked for the best copywriter I could find regardless of money. And I went out there and found a woman and I pitched her on it and she gave me a great deal. And she's done some big people's website and cool. stuff. Like this. And she's not doing all of it. And I'm going to have to write part of it. Um, and kind of work with her to kind of make this all work. And it's definitely not cheap, but it's less expensive than it would have been. But I wrote her a note and said, you're the best person I want to work with. And I've done all this research and I, and she was just like flattered and like wanted to work with me. Right. Well, that's part of building sort of your social wealth. It was a very sincere, authentic letter that I sent email that I sent her on why to work with it. Right. But I think everyone else out there is the same way. You've got to realize the things that you need help on and the gifts that you can give other people and find groups because all of those people will help each other. Because think about it this way. The people in your life that you love and care about the most, they don't keep a scorecard with you. They'll help you and do things unconditionally. Yeah, well, no matter what. if you build those relationships in the business world, you'll find other people that will help you make the right connections, bust through the things that are causing you the most problems on. But you have to be involved in these networks of people in order for that to happen, which means you're going to have to lead with giving and helping and finding these places to go, and then things will happen in your life well. And if you try to go it alone, I mean, you're going to have to do everything the first time by yourself. And we all know the first time we do stuff, our rate of failure on anything is very high, right? If you don't know how to, you know, I mean, I was thinking to myself, my toilet in my house just like actually is not working and like you know for me to go to the store i can buy the parts but like i don't know how to install that stuff i'm not that handy so you know i've got a friend's a contractor i can just call on the phone and he can send someone over here and it's going to save me a couple hours of my time and a lot of frustration to deal with that but the reason is is because one of my friends who i I met is a contractor and i can call and it takes 30 seconds to text and you're like oh great i'll send someone over in five days right but it's because I have this relationship. Well, you need to have all these relationships in your life that you can call upon over time. And right. the most successful people realize this and they invest in it over the years, right, of time. So don't think – if today you say to yourself, well, I don't have any relationships. And I'm like, well, that's fine. If you start going and doing stuff for the rest of this year, maybe you'll meet 5, 10, 15, 20 new people that you'll start to form great relationships with. Well, if you keep doing that over the next five years, your life is going to be transformed. And so will those relationships. Yeah. And I think it's one of the things that I think we always try to do, and we've done a pretty good job at this too, or I have, I had to learn this as a skill is don't always go asking for something when you go to these events or go to give something maybe. And how can you help? Because that ends up, and that was a really, like, it sounds really simple, you know, when you say it out loud. And, but when I heard it, I was like, Oh gosh, I guess I do always go and hope to do business with that person. But what if you flip the switch a little bit and, and, and say, well, what can I do to help you in any way? Or who can I introduce you to? And that's really helped us. And it's an interesting, interesting networking. I don't even want to call it a technique because it's real. I mean, I really want to help this person. Yeah, and because here's the thing. If you go into a setting like that in a room full of people, I don't care whether you're paying a lot of money to go or you're going to a social event or charity event. If you go and lead with giving, you stand out because right. most people are taking or matching exactly. in, a group, in a group of people. So that also helps you. And when you lead with giving, you psychologically put yourself in someone else's inner circle because the only people in their lives that actually lead with giving are the people closest to them and the people they trust the most. So that's what's going on. And if you take a look at it, the way you build trust with people the fastest is caring about them. And if you don't know someone and they're just an acquaintance or someone you met for the first time, the way you convey that you care is to lead with giving. And yeah, that tell us about how to do that exactly, because I think a lot of people might be listening sure. and go, okay, I get it. I get the idea. But how do you say, like, instead of like, hey, what can I do for you? Yes, my company offers that. that that's still a sales pitch to me. It so, is. So what, so what is that? What do you say? So, so what, so, um, you know, th- it's actually interesting. I went to hear a woman speak. Her name's Elizabeth Gilbert, and she wrote this book, uh, Big Magic. And you probably know her from her book, Eat, Pray, Love. Yep. And she talked about how she went across the, uh, her book tour and asked everyone that she engaged in for any period of time, whether it's a cab driver, or a hotel bell clerk, um, you know, what, what's, what's exciting in your life right now? 
Um, and I love that question. Okay, and the too. question I've been using to people is I'll go to an event and I'll say something like, uh, Hey, how's it going? How's your week going? What fun do you have planned for the weekend or, or what brought you to this event? Right. It's any throwaway question that you want. Right. The next question I, I'll ask them is saying, so what's Pat, what are you passionate about in your life right now? What projects are you passionate about? Right. And you can also use that line. Like, what are you excited about in your life right now? Yeah, that's like, good. what exciting is going on for you. Right. Because what it gets is it's you create an emotional connection because you're asking someone what is it that they love. So you're connecting through them through their emotions and they'll get more excited because they can talk about the things sure. that are really top of mind and the things that they care about. Right. Because the alternative to that is you ask them boring questions. <laughs> like how are you from? Right. Because people ask where are you from? And sometimes that can create rapport, but you have to have some common link. And if you don't, immediately step two is what do you do for a living and people yeah. ask this questions thousands of times and it's not led to anything good so they tend to tone tone you out right they, well, they I can, yeah i can tell you exactly how it goes people go well hey bro how are you doing great well how's business great we're busy well that's great end of conversation i've said that a thousand times right and then you and then you're not present and you're thinking about other stuff and you've already lost the person <laughs> right exactly so that's the other way what i'm telling you because it works all the time sure. is then people because people have to be present if you ask them the question what are you passionate about they have to be present because it's not a question they've really probably maybe been ever asked before mm -hmm. and so they actually have to look at you and think about it and they can't worry about anything else going on because they can't give you an answer right so they'll, <laughs> right. So they'll tell you about it now if someone says to you, and it does happen, that they can't think of anything or nothing's going on, well, you know what? Move on. Yes, yes. person is boring. And, yeah. they, and they aren't worth your time because they're exactly. so lost that you can't help them, and they probably can't help you. And there's prob that's probably a red flag saying, don't, don't talk to me. Move on. Yeah. But if they do, they can mention anything, right? Love music. And they say, oh, awesome. Did you grow up playing a musical instrument? Do you love concerts? Like, concerts what is your favorite to. Exactly, yeah, and yeah. You riff off of those things and you could ask you say hey do you have any dream concert or do you have any challenges with music or any you know this or maybe any other passions you have right now and i love asking like are you having any challenges with that because that can allow you to help that person or give them advice or anything else maybe a contact or like hey call these guys to get tickets to the show i know them really well exactly exactly that makes a lot of sense i see how right. now we're giving so, right. So let's just say you sit there and think to yourself, I don't have any idea what to do. <laughs> yeah. Say to that person, you know what, let's exchange contact information and let me go back and think about this. And you can take their business card and, and, you know, and move on to the next person and do it with everyone and then get back home and then look in your LinkedIn. Do you have anyone that they could connect with? Maybe the answer is no, maybe because you don't know that many people. Sure. Okay, that's fine. You can Google an article. And maybe send them an article and saying, hey, I saw this article. It's really great. And check this out. Um, you know, and then you can uh, just say, hey, you know, it's something that if you have, you know, like any help on this area, I'm kind of struggling with, I'd appreciate it. Or if you know anyone that I should talk to, right? Because that they may not know someone, but they may know someone for you to talk to. Sure. So it's like asking that question as well. And then it's easy in a follow-up to do that and get some help, right? And maybe you send them a book, right, or a suggestion. I mean, it could be anything. And let's just say you cannot figure anything out saying, you know what? I looked. I can't find anything. Um, you know, if I see anything, I'll send it to you. And you can even then ask for help, right? Because at least you're communicating with that person. You don't have to solve everything, right? Because some people are don't have they're starting from basically scratch well that's fine people appreciate at least you're being honest and if you can't you don't know it you don't know it but most people just don't follow up at all then which is not good either yeah that's or even don't follow up at a timely matter that's happened to us before too so jason tell us a little bit about i'm going to turn the tables on you man and and you know you you seem like you got everything together but i want to know what you do not necessarily in the business sense but what do you do to make sure that jason's at his best that he is able to, you know, do exactly what he needs to for his clients and also enjoy what he's doing. Do you take your own advice? And also, are you able to separate yourself a little bit from that daily grind? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I love being around people like I'm an extrovert. And so for me, I, I really recharge by going out. Now, I do spend sometimes reading um, and doing interesting things. I'm like reading another book on 
you know, 18th century uh, or 18th, 19th century, like Europe and how there was a lot of women actually that started to meet men over in Europe, heiresses over here who wanted to become a royalty over there. So like do crazy, like I'll read stuff (laughs) off the wall because I love creativity and doing stuff. I go to speakers all the time, events and stuff like that. I've got a bunch planned over the summer and I'm doing some speaking as well. So I love doing that. So it's really being a variety of things that I can do. I'm going to do fun stuff too. I've got sporting events and concerts and, you know, restaurants and, you know, wedding season right now as well. So it's just, uh, it's just, you know, I try to have, I, I have fun too. Um, and I take on big products. I was telling you before the phone call, right. you know, one of the things I was looking at is my closets were horrible and I was like, I need to fix this and I can't fix it. So I found a friend of mine who was starting a business, wanted to start a business on doing reorganizing. And so I basically helped her think through it. She came over and reorganized my closets and got them in an order so I can keep them. And then I was like, you know what? It's a great time to remodel my entire time. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Project and, yep. you know, I just went with it and didn't you know necessarily plan it out as well as maybe I should have. But I got it all done and or most of it's 90% of it's done right now. So, uh, you know, you just got to. Yep. You got to roll with different things in your life and take on new challenges. And that was the biggest challenge I'd taken on other than starting my business because I had no idea where to go or what to do for all these things. And I just started and called up friends who were contractors and other people and got their help. And uh, I would have never been able to do this if I did not do it. And I'd never done it before. So I was starting from scratch in my head. Cool. So let's talk about mistakes a little bit, because that's what we, I don't say we focus on here, but I always tell people that, you know, we made a lot of mistakes along the way and we're still making mistakes, but it's just a matter of how you write yourself from those and what you learned. And and what do you think were some mistakes that you made early on in your small business ownership, or maybe some common mistakes that you see in some of your clients? Yeah, well, I'd say one big mistake that I made was I was working with another business partner and I should have been focused on my own business because yeah. what happened was I was basically Robin instead of Batman. Oh, man. And I was doing a lot of the work behind the scenes and I wasn't building my own brand up. Um, and I let, it was, I let my probably blind spots get in the way of what I needed to accomplish. Yeah. And that hurt me. Um, and it took a lot longer to get where I needed to go. And so I would tell people that ultimately you've got to go on this journey by yourself, meaning you've got to lead. Now, now there are times when partnerships are useful, but what I found is that they have to be very narrow in scope. They have to be on a specific project. And if it completely falls apart, you've got to be able to get up and walk forward and not have it be a massive impact yeah. on your revenue, right? And the money that's coming in. And if it is, then that's not a good, that's not a good bet until you've seen it go far along the way. More times than not, people fail. Sure. Uh, and it becomes really difficult. So I think that's when you've seen, I mean, a great example, if you Google Warby Parker and what they did was they, they started that sunglasses business, which is massive now, they did it very slowly and they all were had basic, they were in grad school and they had jobs and they were doing other stuff and they were doing it on the side. And they basically only went all in very late in the project, like close to when the site was actually supposed to launch. And really? they realized, yeah. And it was actually really interesting because they didn't, they weren't um, as committed as you may think all these other people are like typically, right? <laughs> yeah, they had, consulting gigs, they had things on the side. And so if you're looking at, you know, an example, it was actually written up in this book called The Originals or The Original by Adam Grant that just came out, which is a fantastic book. Um, But yeah, and so I'd say that was probably, you know, one of them. I'd also say the other thing is have it be a side hustle until enough revenue comes in that it justifies you leaving your other job because I can't stress that enough. Cause I, I used to tell people just go for it. But now that I started my own business, I'm like, don't go for it. No, do a side hustle first. No, because, because even if it's successful, you're going to need more money than you think. What will happen is that, you know, I'll give you a great example. So I had someone do my website and basically people that got recommended to by several people. And then all of a sudden they just disappeared. I know. And they took four grand of my money at that time. And it was just, okay, poof, gone. Yep. See ya. And, uh, what am I going to do? And then I finally tracked him down and there was no website and there was no way to get that money back. So what was I going to do? I mean, I had to restart, but that was a significant problem for me. And I had a, like in my current site was a workaround, but I got lucky. And I did things and things worked out, but it was not what I wanted. 
Um, and that's the problem. So I'd say to you, that's probably one of them. I'd say the other thing is everything takes three times longer and costs you twice as much. Sure does. At least than you thought. And you've got to be prepared for that. I'd say probably the last thing is, is that this is a very slow process because for you to get in, hone in on your target customer is not easy. And you really have to sit down and really come up with a lot of premises that are going to help you. Um, because it's not, you're going to have to figure things out. Unfortunately, I did that ahead of time. I just didn't get any willy nilly person. Right. And when I did, I pivoted off of that because I let the data tell me in my own head who was going to be my best customer. Right. (laughs) And I figured that out and I didn't do, and I stopped doing things that would be taking up a lot of time just to do them. Right. Like a podcast. I, mean, I was talking about before the show, like I'm, I'm going to work on launching. I'm actually in the process of working on launch it. And I'm glad I never did it because I, it would have been a disaster because I didn't have the right person in mind. I didn't have a target client. And to do a podcast, to do a podcast is not good. There has to be a reason behind it. Um, and, I, and I think that's another problem a lot of people do is they try to do everything at once. And yeah. I did that a little bit. Yeah, we did um, that too. And let me tell you, like I wrote another book simultaneously with the book I had now, and it's still like sitting there because now um, I, I and I really was a waste of time because it needs to be rewritten substantially. At least half of it does. Sure. So I may have half a book done, but I'll have to rewrite it substantially because now I've got a lot more thoughts on it. And I realize some of the things that I did were not things I'd recommend or there'd be a different order in it. Um, but I try to do that because I was like, oh, maybe I'll launch two books at once. Maybe I'll launch this, and then four months later, I'll launch another book. But then I realized that the book isn't making me enough money to spend that much time on it, and I had so many other things to do, right? So it was uh, doing too much and not letting things sort of come to you because I was in an urgency mode and way too much. Yeah. So- so talk a little bit earlier, you said something that I thought was interesting that a lot of CEOs might not get. Like, I get why it's important for you and maybe possibly us and not really because I, I didn't come to this conclusion until a couple months ago. But you talked about building a brand for yourself and it makes sense for you because you're, you know, you are your company. But I imagine it might work for some CEOs and some business owners as well. How do you see that? Why? Because no one thinks about that, I, especially in business. I think as a CEO, you don't think about building your own brand. I know because, I, I didn't at first, but now I get it and I see why. But why do you think? Well, one of the things is, is think about it this way. So if you start a business today, I don't care whether you're 35, 30, 40, 50, you're going to pivot. And that is not the last business you're going to have and the last opportunities you're going to have. And you have to think through in your head, what is it that you want to do? What do you want to be? known as like when people know you like what are you good at right and you know you don't have to necessarily have the answer when you start out but you've got to hone in on it and you've got to start to come with some premises right so i had a client of mine who's like a chairman of a large company here and he had owned this business and sort of moved through from ceo to doing this well the next step was that what was he going to do right um he could be ceo in another company um, he could invest in a company or two. I mean, but there's a myriad of things. And so I sit down and said, you know, I think that your brand should be, be an active investor, meaning start some businesses, invest in some people, decide the businesses you want to go deeper in and have the, have them be ones in which you can go deeper and then jump right back out. Mm -hmm. And so that way you can start doing the things that you want, add in networking with the right people you can then go to the businesses that you have, add in your networks to make all these businesses successful, right? Or as many as you can, and you'll be making more money than you've ever had in your entire life. And, you know, he was he's doing well to begin with, um, but this has really helped him. But now he sees the world in a different way because his, his lens and his brand is one that he is a guy who's going to network and help people and inspire them and be an active investor, but not be a day-to-day role player in an organization. Got it. Right? But if he didn't have that premise, what would have happened? Like 99% of the people, he would have worked in the same industry. Yeah. He would have you know, invested in some companies, maybe done some consulting, but that's it. And it had been a pretty boring existence. Yeah, he would have made enough money. He doesn't you know, worry about money to begin with really now, 
but now it's at another level, but sure. not money for money's sake, but money because, you know, he's on some high level boards. He met Richard Branson and Bill Gates and all these other great people. And, and he's it's getting like, to he's, do things he probably would have never had opportunity to do. Yeah. And I asked him like three weeks ago and, he, <laughs> and I asked him, I said, so tell me the difference between now and two years ago. And he said, I am way happy. I am way more fulfilled and I'm doing more than I ever thought possible. And, you know, if you'd asked someone 24 months ago who looked at him, they thought, oh, this guy's got it all together. He's sure. wealthy. He's got a big company. But that, that's not how he felt. No, he didn't. So, yeah. Right. And, and, I, and I think that as an entrepreneur, the other problem is, is that we always think it's all going to fall apart at some point. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, every day. Every day. And people don't realize that. So you've got to look around at yourself and realize everyone's feeling like you. It's a business, whether you're making, you know, 50 grand or you have a business that's making $5 billion. Yeah. I found that interesting that we talked to people that were much bigger than us and different organizations altogether. One of our clients, who's a large electro, uh, electrical contractor here in the state. And we talked about, you know, I was talking to the two owners, family owned business. And, and I was talking to them about my worries with payroll and, you know, CEO problems. And, and they're like, Hey man, <laughs> just, just add a couple more zeros. And we still, we worry about the same things. I'm like, Oh, that didn't make me feel much better. It, it's, it, it is. That's why you've got to pivot all the time and having all yeah. these relationships and thinking about your brand is so important because if you don't, what happens is you get lazy sure. and you just keep doing what you're doing. And the problem with that is, is eventually you're going to run to a point where things are going to start to go and decline, right? Because you, you, you can't yeah. keep doing the same things because people will out-innovate you. Like, it's not possible to keep doing that over a long period of time. And you've got to think about it this way. You're, most of us will be living to probably anywhere an average from 80 to 100 years old, right? So you're going to have to have some revenue stream come in. For a in. while. For a while, because yeah. if you leave a business in a t corporate America at 60 or 65, you could be living for 30 or 35 years. That's There's a whole nother life, yeah. You're not going to live off of that income. I don't care how much 401k. Now you're dependent upon the markets in order for you to make money. Sure. And you have to be conservative because you can't lose that nest egg. So you're, you're really going to have a very low rate of return in today's volatile world in order for you to be successful. Well, you know, you've got to really, and, you, and if you think real estate is the same way. I mean, it's not that stuff. You're playing another game in which you don't have any control over it. Yeah, you could assume that your nest egg is buried in your business and your house, but you have no, no idea. No idea. And you have no revenue coming in. So you have to have revenue ideas. So you have to keep innovating. You have to keep building these relationships. You have to keep finding new ways to do things out there. And if you do it, like I tell my clients all the time, if you do little things every day, and they could be minuscule, right, or even every week, you will be significantly successful because you'll be doing it over 52 weeks a year. And compound that with over the next few years, you'd be amazed at how well you can do, right? I have one of my clients who's on the board of TEDx. He's on the board of reforming all the TEDx events across the entire world. He just got another board called XPRIZE, which has got some of the Fortune's top 50 leaders in the world on. And I mean, two years ago, he wasn't on a single board. I mean, and you never even thought that'd been possible. Right. People would have said, but the thing is, is that because so little people network, the bar is so low, a snake could crawl over it. So you, you can start <sighs> That's true. at zero today. And in 24 to 36 months, you will be more successful than you ever dreamed possible. And that's for every single person out there. I don't care you know, if you're making 50 grand or you're making, you know, 50 million or 500 million a year. Just by building difference. a better network? Build, building a better network and going to some of these events and doing these things because so little people do it right now. And, and that little bit of help you get and a little bit of innovation will help unleash a lot in your business or ideas or what's going or, you know, it will help you in your quality of right. Like another client of mine, his wife has had cancer and we got, you know, into Sloan Kettering in New York for him and got this amazing doctor through a contact and she got way better care than she would ever gotten. Why? Because of networking, right? And it was, uh, and that can make the difference in life or death or quality of life. So, so Jason, we, here's this thing with entrepreneurs and you'll, you probably heard this before a lot. And Melissa, who's my CEO, her job is to keep me focused um, because I'm, I'm an entrepreneur and I see a shiny object and then I go. Yep. 
So, which I like, I, I like that, but I've been told by Melissa and my staff, I let them kind of run the show here. They kind of run the company is we've got to focus on the business at hand. We have this company called Michigan yes. Creative. We've got the business and we've got to run that. But I think, you know, after hearing you talk a little bit, that there's still that need to keep doing something, I don't want to say else, but something else that's going to grow that piece of the company. And if it's not related to that, then you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. And I think what you do is you have to have a sandbox. Yeah. And what it is, I think, is CEO is you got to say, okay, here are the priorities, right? Here are the things that we have to execute on well right now. But I think part of it is getting the people in your organization to start being more creative and innovative about the problems they're solving right now that are on the priority list and not thinking so narrowly and taking best practices from what people are doing in the industry as well, right? It's been done the correct way by somebody advertising, marketing, going to those conferences, finding the best advertising people and marketing people online and checking those people out. Like, yep. what are they doing, right? Like, where are they going? Who are, who's doing, you know, there's Gary Vandachuk, um, there's Amy Porterfield, there's yep, yep. Mel- Melanie Duncan is doing Pinterest. I mean, like, you've got to find those people and those people need to be buying their courses, going and hearing them speak, seeing what's going on, following them. Because, if not, what's happening is you're just trying to reinvent the wheel. So I think there's a lot you can do within the constraints of having an organization and having specific priorities. And then as a CEO, your job is figuring, okay, how can I exploit these resources? But then how can I see what I could do elsewhere? What's really the other things that are going on that I can help out there and uh, connect people, organizations, or see some Greenfield opportunities are some things that people creatively are doing that's on the cutting edge. Right cool. here, Vanacek talks about that all the time. Oh my gosh, yeah, he's on. He's crazy. I mean, he's all over the place. And that's the thing is that he's been able to do that. Why has he been able to do that? Because he's around all of these other people that are innovating and doing all these other yep. things. He's never let himself be constrained. So he's always pushing against the flow, and he's always trying to go way outside the box. Now, not everything he's going to do is going to work. But what happens is, is you can start to piece these ideas better together when you say, you know, if it were possible, what could I do, right? And then you can take a look at your current business, what's happening, saying, okay, well, you know, I mean, we work with Michigan, but what if there's other states around us? What's going on? Like, they have a need, right? Can we bring something to them? Um, Can we go find it, maybe a vertical or a niche that we're really good at and go beyond where we're currently and start to pitch other people and see what happens. And maybe there's something you do exceptionally well in a vertical area that other people don't that they could really use help on. Well, that could be a, in a place where you put gas on the fire. Yep. Cool. Jason, I know you're a quote guy. They're all over your site. Give me a quote that you like. Um, so one of the things I love talking about is really, um, you know, letting go what people think of you, because I think that holds it back. So there's a quote by Brene Brown. Her name is B-R-E-N-E Brown, my my favorite author and probably the the best business and leadership authors out there. And her quotes, what's the greater risk? Letting go of what people think or letting go of how I feel, what I believe, and who I am. That's the hardest thing. And I think one of the things that's related to that, too, is I think sometimes, and I, I'm guilty of this, and I know a lot of entrepreneurs are, is, is we start to see you know, what other people are doing, and, we, and then we start to think, well, oh, gosh, I'm not doing that. We're probably going to fail. Right. And I think that you, know, you can't do everything. Right. And you're not going to get it all perfect. And most of the time, you're going to think you have it pulled together with duct tape and glue. Oh, yeah. right. what? That's the same way. It's, it's the same way for everyone. And I think businesses ebb and flow all the time, as do people in their life. And I think you've got to realize that that's just the way that it goes. And I think <laughs> trying to navigate that is, going, is, is difficult for everyone, right? It's not, there's no one that's figured that out. And, and I, I think, think navigate, but also be okay with Yes, and the, and the key thing is to realize that the more that you can live in uncertainty in a healthy manner, the more successful you'll be. Yeah, in a healthy manner. That's a really good point. Yeah, and something that doesn't get you to, down. So how do you do that? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard. <laughs> I, I, think every, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think for everyone, it's different. I sure. think that what I think the key thing is, is you've got to put on a creativity and innovation so you can see what's going on around your business. And then you got to roll up your sleeves and do hard work right. and then be surrounded by people that you love and care about. Um, and then you just got to keep 
plowing forward, right? And just keep taking one step every single day as hard as it can be and realize some days you're going to get up and it's going to be crappy and some weeks might be crappy. But the key is, is that you've just got to keep moving forward because you won't know you have a breakthrough until you have it. You won't <laughs> yeah. be, you know, and it's not going to be like, Hey, I think a breakthrough is coming. It just, it doesn't work. Like that. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem with it. And <laughs> yeah. I think that it's easy to see success from the rear view mirror. It's sure. very, you can't see it through, um, you know, the front part of the car <laughs> through, yeah. through the windshield. And that's, you know, that's why it's important to keep do, building these relationships, you know, be creative, invest in yourself and just, you know, keep taking those, you know, steps forward. So Jason, besides social wealth, give us a business book that we should, that you would recommend that we must read. Yep. So I love uh, Brene Brown. I mentioned before mm-hmm. she's got some great books. Um, it's uh, Rising Strong um, and Daring Greatly are fantastic. Um, Daniel Pink's got a great book, Drive, and really most of his books are really good too. Mm. Um, Adam Grant's got a book called Give and Take, um, and it's how giving can help you get ahead in business. And it's one of my favorite business books, and it's very unique. Um, so I would say to you, you know, Elizabeth Gilbert I mentioned before has got right. this big magic if you on creativity and creativity not about um art but about being creative in any area of your life no matter what it is if you have a company that's a paint store there's ways to be creative there it's not it's it's really a broad brush stroke yeah and we get that a lot from clients because they just assume you know they see us as that creative company and we always hear we heard it today uh from a client that you know you guys are the creative ones we're not very creative over here and so we get that a lot but there's ways i think and i, I agree with you to be creative in everything that we're doing we have to be as we have to be as human beings to be creative because yeah. if we're not the music dies inside of us because right. creativity is your unique footprint on this world around us so, Jason, if you could have dinner with any business owner tomorrow, who would it be and why? Wow. That <laughs> was probably pretty uh, – you know, I would probably say that I would have it with uh, Richard Branson, probably Larry Ellison, um, and then I'd probably try to think of what else. I may have it with Mark Cuban. Yeah, that'd um, be good. All three of those would be wonderful. Yeah, and I think they're all differently, right? Yeah. I think Richard Branson, because I think he's been able to innovate and give back to other people and combine them together over time, which would have been pretty great. I think from Larry Ellison, he's pretty much a cutthroat dictator, but he navigated a very difficult world against a lot of really hardcore people. And he's just created an insane business. And I, I just be interested to see how he's wrote, wrote that out um, and continue to do well in that world where other people have failed at big businesses yeah. over time has stumbled. And he really hasn't. And then I think of Mark Cuban, because I think that entrepreneurial mindset of all the things that he's doing right now is really interesting. But also I'm really curious because the biggest thing he's ever done was the sale of his company to Yahoo. Right. And, and that's the other thing too for people out there is that like a lot of these people, they, they've not done it twice. They've done it once and it's and they're struggling to figure out the next thing to do consistently to make money off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'd like that's interesting. Yep. So, so uh, what technology to give us a tech or app or software that you cannot live without? You know, I don't, I try, try to pare down a lot of the things that I'm doing right now because I just, I think it actually gets in the way more. So I'll be honest with you. I I simply, I, I love my calendar. I I use Google calendar because I can see other people and I love it because I'm really understanding how important it is to calendar your weeks before you start it. So, yeah, and I really like the idea of when we started using Google Calendar here at work, not only do we use it for work, but a lot of my staff use it for personal too. And it really allows us to see everything where everybody's doing. And so if we have an event that we have to be at, if Melissa's going to be on vacation, if, and it's really helped us sort of make time for things outside of work as well. Yeah, and I think that's really critical because I think – you know, one of the things I do, just for example, for like working out, like I'll look at my week yeah, and I'll plan yeah. out ahead of time. Otherwise, I won't do it. Otherwise, I won't do it. Me or neither. what happens is it becomes secondary and yep. clients will schedule the time that I have to go. Yep. And then if I want to go to an event at night or things it is, it will impact everything that I do significantly. And sometimes I like working out at six in the morning, but there I cannot do it five days a week or no. four days a week because I'll, I mean, it just, I mean, it just, 
I get way too tired. Yep. So I've got to manage my time. And I think it's easier. And the other thing about it is if you plan out your week ahead of time and you know you've got busy commitments coming up at the end of the week, you can then do more work in the beginning of the week yep. and understand why. Yep, I and love how- being it makes me feel more relaxed when I look at my calendar Sunday yeah. afternoon and go, Okay, tomorrow's gonna be busy with interviews and business meetings and things like that, but Wednesday's a little bit better. So Exactly. And I think that's you know, for me. I, you know, I love, I love doing that, right? I use, you know, things like Evernote yeah. and there's some other things. There's this app called Charlie that someone gave me. Um, if you do a lot of new business or stuff, it'll actually send you kind of a summary of that person, cool. which is kind of, which is kind of neat. I don't have enough of that right now. And I tried it and it's like a lot of them will just send me new stuff on my current clients every week. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of more repetitive than it is actually helpful. Um, but if someone else were using it, they may find it. But there, it's—I mean, there's so many apps out there. It, it re, I, I think it's so specific on what it is that you need help on sure. at that time that it's not generally. There's not just one app for everyone that I think works really well. So, Jason, before we get to the last question here, what's the best way somebody can contact you or learn more about you or get your book or how is the what's the best first step that somebody can take to learn more about social wealth? They can go to my website. It's beextraordinary.tv. That's beextraordinary.tv. And all my social links and YouTube channel and everything else is at the top right. And then a link to my book um, on Amazon is as well. So if you can't miss it, I've got blogs. I've got free guides on networking, how to build great relationships, how to get unstuck, how to build your own personal brand. I mean, all this stuff's free. I mean, that I've created so people can, you know, how to email busy people and influencers. And I talk to people about that. So there's tons of stuff you can get. So last question, and it's a big one. Do you want to get that door so I can, I can cut this out if you want to go get the doorbell? Let me just look and see (laughs) who it is. (laughs) So I can have Chris cut this out. No, that's fine. Okay. (laughs) All right, so we'll just cut that. So I, the guy edits this for me. We'll just cut it out. So, all right. All right, Jason, I'm going to put you on the spot one more time. I got to go to a networking event tonight, and it's at 4 o'clock, and it's going to be your typical boring networking party. However, give me one tip that I should try today that's one thing I should try that might be a little bit different. Because I, you know what I find right now, Jason, is I'll go to these events, and I'm pretty social. I'm pretty. I, I'm definitely an extrovert, but... I just sometimes don't feel like it because I don't want to just do the same thing. Hi, my name is Brian. Here's my business card. I do this. What can I do tonight? Um, I think one thing that you can do is, you know, a couple things. If you're an introvert, what you can do is ask to work the checking table um, for the first group of people, meaning call the event organizer and say, hey, I'd love to volunteer and help out. That's a great Um, idea. And they'll say, yeah, and if you work the check-in table, well, the great thing about that is that then what you can do is you will be able to meet people as they come in. The first people that come in, you have a reason to talk to them because they have to check in, whether to pay or work for any reason. You can greet them, and that gets a lot of social anxiety out of the way. And then when you get off your shift and walk around, there will be at least some of the people that you will have met. It would be much easier than you can go up to people and welcome them and say something because you're a part of the organization, at least for that event. Sure. And that's really helpful for people to do. I would say the second thing is that, you know, navigate where people go, right? And that's usually to the bar or some food area. And then just just go up and ask people, like, say, hey, how's it going? And they'll say whatever they're going to say and ask them, you know, they'll tell you what brought you to this organization or what brought you to this group. And they'll tell you, and that will actually give you a little information about them. And then you can say, Hey, you know, I'm curious. I'm asking, you know, people like what's, what, what are you passionate about? Like what's exciting in your life going on? Yeah. I like that question. What's exciting right now? I like that a lot. Yeah. Cause that it's easy then for someone else to come back and really just tell you some information and you know, then you can riff off of that. And then you ask them the question. So are you having any challenges with that? Do you need help around that? Um, or anything else that's going on, and then they'll tell you, and then you'll see. Now, some people may say no. Well, that's fan- you know that's great. These yeah, things- no, I'm not excited about anything. Right. Then move on. See if they don't get any help either, <laughs> yep. that's fine. You could at the end of the conversation, you can say to them if they need help, 
exchange business cards. If they don't need help saying, hey, you know, I'm going to a bunch of events, you know, uh, I, I can send you some things I'm going to. Let's exchange cards and maybe you're going to go something exciting and you could send it along to me. That would be fantastic. And people will give you their business contacts and you can exchange cards that way too with someone else, right? But I think the other thing is try to keep your conversations to no more than like 10 minutes. Right. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's really, I think, important because if you decide to go longer than that, you're just wasting time because you don't know that person enough. And if you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, now I have all these business contacts. What do I do? Well, a great thing you could do is email people and set up a dinner, which you could just do it with or a brunch, um, or cocktail hour and email people. And, you know, you can just set it up someplace. It doesn't have to cost you a penny, right? You could, you could buy something if you want, um, but if not, you don't need to, but you can get all these people together. And now you are the hub bringing all these people, the spokes together and everyone's coming through you, which is a great opportunity to meet all these people and also to diversify your time because you don't know where these contacts will lead. Love so that's it. another great thing. Good. Love it. All right, Jason, last question. And it's a big one. What do you think, or what do you hope that Jason True's legacy is? Uh, you know, I I hope that I can make a difference in helping people create the lives that they love mm-hmm. and create the relationships that are going to bring them meaning both in a professional and personal way. And if I can do that, it would be fantastic. And ultimately, you know, I, I've created a book that I hopefully and I think has been really well for people. I'm going to work on some products. Um, you know, I'm coaching, I can reach a lot of people and through speaking and doing podcasts like these. And I think that's, you know, that's the legacy we live is, uh, the things that we do every day. Good. Well, Jason, thank you very much for taking your time out to be on the business machine. We appreciate it and got a lot of great knowledge. This is a great show. I can't thank you enough for taking your time out to be on the show today. Hey, well, thanks for having me on. So that was Jason True, nationally recognized business and executive coach, sales trainer of Be Extraordinary. And get his book, Social Wealth, that is in our show notes. So definitely check that out. And once again, this is Brian, the business machine and CEO of Michigan Creative. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you on the next show.